Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. Also sponsored by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America, a fraternal financial organization that can help you plan for your family's future. You can give Hector a call at 940-453-3490. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived ladies and gentlemen the radio tv and now podcast star the sexy jean-jacques taylor what up doc? i would be the non-sexy one matt mclaren this my friends is jam session the podcast version 171 asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled if not entertained. And I don't think many of us were over what we saw in Kansas City at Arrowhead this afternoon into the evening. We will get into all of that. The offense, the defense, the loss, what it means, what now, all these narratives that all of a sudden I'm st- I, I just wonder in some of these other cities where their teams are seven and three or eight and three, if all these random narratives have risen their head up about how this team all of a sudden sucks. So We'll get into all of that, but we wanted to tell you, of course, as we always do, Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. I told you his his number a moment ago, 940-453-3490. Hector Flores, it's a fraternal financial organization. It's non-fee-based. It costs nothing to meet with him so that he can get with you and help you plan for you and your family's future. You know, the thing I like about Hector, man, is Hector says... Tell me what you want to do, and I'll devise a roadmap for you to get there. Because everybody's got different journeys that they want to do, man. Somebody in their 20s might want this really aggressive journey. Somebody in their 40s might want some journey in between aggressive and conservative. And then somebody like me in their 50s, we might want a journey that's pretty conservative because we don't have time to make the money back if we lose it by being aggressive. But it doesn't really matter because it might also be flipped. The thing about it is you tell Hector what you want to do. Here's the way I'd like to do. He'll drop a roadmap for you. You follow it. And then success is on the other side. Yeah, this is awesome because I was telling you about that example that he sent over, how he can help some of his clients. He's helped set up their children so that they start to build that generational wealth. And he says, you know, when children are young, it's not about how much. It's just simply about getting started. And over the course of time, $50 a month over many years can potentially build to where they have a $1.4 million little nest egg that they're sitting on. So he can help show you all those types of things. He can help with your investments and and just building some of that generational wealth and and some of that nest egg that we all want to have for the future. It's Modern Woodman of America. Again, it's Hector Flores, 940-453-3490. 
940-453-3490. He's local. Doesn't cost anything to meet with him. Give him a call. Also, of course, the attorneys at Greening Law. Robert Greening and his green team. I have been working with them for, man, over four months now since I had my car accident. And it's very simple, as we tell you. The consultation's free. So I knew as soon as that happened, I was like, man, this is not going to be good for me. I I need to talk and and talk to Robert Greening and his team. I called. They asked me some questions. I just kind of explained what happened to me and all this. They took on my case, and I've been working with them ever since. Hey, man, I love the Green team because it doesn't cost anything to pick up the phone. You tell them your situation. They take you on as a client. I love this. Eat what you kill. They don't get paid unless you get paid. So you never have to wonder if they're working hard for you. And Matt will tell you, they know the answers and you ask the questions and they know the answers. And heck, they know answers that you don't even know that you're supposed to know, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, great. It is. It's fantastic, man. And it's easy again because the consultation is free. You may you may not even know if you have a case, if you were hurt in a car accident or injured at a business or have experienced malpractice from a physician or a hospital give them a call. It, it, it costs you nothing to call and tell them what you have going on to see if it's something they can work with. And they only get paid if you get compensated. It's Robert Greening, 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. Call now. Robert Greening, offices, Dallas, Texas. Well, it, it didn't go the way. I mean, regardless of the win or the loss, that game did not go the way that I think anybody thought it would go. I believe most people were having picks where for sure both teams were scoring well into the 20s, if not the 30s, and it became somewhat of a defensive struggle after the first quarter. Kansas City, a 19-9 win over the Dallas Cowboys, who failed to score a touchdown. It is the first time all this year, including that crappy game against Denver, that the Dallas offense did not score at least two touchdowns. Yeah, it's a uh, it was a weird game, man, because they never got in a rhythm offensively. And a game like this, to me, it was all about you have to take their crowd and their emotion out of it early. And if you do that, then it settles down into a regular football game. Um, they didn't do that early. They let Kansas City ride that wave of momentum to a 9 nothing lead. And I don't know about you, man. It felt like they were on the verge of being blown out like the whole game. So they never had a chance to get comfortable. Yeah, it it was. There's a little bit of that where it felt like, I mean, somehow, some way the defense kept them with the chance in this thing because it kept feeling like they were teetering on the brink of it just never happening for them. And it was really early because it became obvious early on that this offensive line and One of the things that drives me insane in, in, you know, I mean, on my show that I do on the radio, we talk a lot about college football and it drives me nuts how people don't allow the patience that it takes when certain things happen. You see this more in college football because of the time that it takes for young people to gel together and to kind of understand when you have a lot of turnover that you do at the collegiate level. Offensive lines don't just immediately walk out onto a football field and are in synchronicity and have the chemistry that they need to have to be very good. And you have to realize, one, they are missing Tyron Smith this week. So they moved Terrence Steele back over to the left side. Lyle Collins is back over on the right side. And then they make a change with Connor Williams and put Connor McGovern in. And I thought it was fairly obvious early on that the offensive line just was not in sync together in a tough road environment in Arrowhead. Here's the deal, bro. 
I think um, when you look at it, man, I felt like once they – see, I thought Tyron Smith had a chance to play. And then when they mm-hmm. said, well, three games in 12 days, we're going to sit him out. I'm like, this is going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem because you got Terrence Steele, who is really solid at right tackle. He's just a guy at left tackle. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between those two spots. That's why left tackles make all the money and right tackles make the money that's left over. Uh, but when you put him with Connor McGovern, who's making it basically his first start at left guard after having replaced Connor Williams. Now, we all thought he should replace him. But still, you got two cats over there who ain't really nothing, who are just average guys in the league at Arrowhead in a loud environment in an important game. I was like, man, this has the possibility to be a poop show. And the offensive line for the most of the game, it was a poop show. It was. It, it was a poop show. And, you know, I had said you had picked the Chiefs to win on the podcast that dropped on Thursday. And I had or the one that dropped on Friday, rather. And I had picked the Cowboys to win in a very close game. And if I had known at that time that Amari Cooper was not going to play, I would have picked the Chiefs to win because we have seen it's really weird. Like even when when Cooper is just on the field, when he doesn't have good games, the, the, the rush numbers are just different. And it's really interesting how much it matters that Amari Cooper is playing. But then you find out, like you just talked about, that Tyron Smith isn't going to play. And once you knew those two things going into the game, I was like, man, they're going to have a really hard time going into this environment and pulling it out. And it kind of felt that way. Look, they win the toss. Cowboys fans drive me insane, by the way. And I'm one of them. I'm as hardcore as anybody else that's out there. But man, you damn Cowboy fans. I mean, people start bitching and moaning at, as soon as they pause, it's like we just want to be as negative humanly possible where, oh, oh, great. We, we won the toss and we def- and we didn't defer. Well, McCarthy doesn't know what he's doing. It worked last week against Atlanta. They wanted to have that ability to go down the field and put up seven right off the bat in Kansas City. Here's the thing. Dak had Gallup wide open down the sideline on the first play of the game. He missed him. He was Bro. amped up. He overthrew him. Bro. The next play, he hits Lamb, who's tackled immediately. It's third and three, and he hits Noah Brown for a first down. It goes right through Noah Brown's hands. Punt. Yep. Dude, I saw that whole sequence, and I was just like, it's the worst possible scenario because Mm -hmm. if you hit that 30-yard big play to start the game, who knows how to drive in. Yeah. But everybody feels great. (laughs) Ha-ha. Shut you. Yeah, I'll shut y'all down. That's what the Cowboys are saying to the crowd. Gallup is feeling good. Dak is feeling great. The offensive line is like, oh, we're attacking. I mean, you just never know how it goes just on that first play. Uh, But then, okay, fine. We're down to third down. And then Noah Brown, who really has outstanding hands. Will McClay has said he has some of the best hands on the team. Now, think about that. Yeah. But, But a drop like that, you're just like, dude. And I was just like, man, they're going to get the ball up and watch Kansas City go score seven. And now you're just fighting an uphill battle. And that's what happened. It is. And, and what's crazy is this is when I started to think, OK, something is not working here today because Kansas City gets the ball. And let's keep in mind, Tyree Kill gets that 34 yard end around and you knew he was going to be a problem today. I thought for the most part, quite honestly, they did a decent job on him, but he had that 34 yard end around where he just burst down the field. And I'm like, okay, generally speaking on drives like this, if you get a play like that, you're going to score a touchdown. They get it to third and two. Ah, nah, we want you to have first down offsides. 
Cowboys have a penalty that gives them the first down. Next thing you know, Mahomes scrambles. And then one play later, the brilliant call by Andy Reid and Bienemy on that Travis Kelsey run up the middle in Kansas City. It's six nothing after they miss the extra point. So at that point, I'm like, OK, so we already have seen you made a stupid penalty on defense. And in your first drive on offense, you've had a drop and an overthrow. Then the second drive comes because at that point, it's six nothing. You're like, all right, just get on the board and we'll be fine. Settle into this thing. They have Zeke who gets hit for a loss. The very next play is that pass to Michael Gallup where Dalton Schultz is like, I don't want to block you. And Gallup gets hit for a four-yard loss. It's third and 15. Then if we're thinking maybe somehow you get a miracle here, nope, we're going to let Dak get sacked immediately. Fumbles the ball. KC recovers it. And this was the one where Terrence Steele is sitting there. The ball gets snapped and Terrence Steele just sits there. Just sits there. And it's almost like he was like, (laughs) I wonder what will happen if I don't block. (laughs) No, he was just laid off the ball either because he... Either because he didn't hit a snap count, or uh, you know he was he was focusing so hard he forgot for a moment to get off the ball. And before you laugh, that once happened to me playing in, in football practice uh, at Skyline High School. I was so focused on what I had to do, I forgot the snap count, and then I did it twice in a row and got cussed out and had to run laps. And these guys are in the so, NFL, man. This is the NFL. Hey man, I mean, you say that, but we see them fuck up every week and they in the NFL. Fair. So I mean, it ain't no different. But I, 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 we're in, we're also talking about a guy who ain't no great player. I mean, he's an average player, um, especially at left tackle. Now he was solid at right tackle. So the fact is, when Terrence Steele makes a mistake like that, are you really shocked, or are you shaking your head like, "Well, damn, I wish he hadn't done that." A little of both, because anytime you see a guy and you miss the count like that, it's really bizarre to see everybody else is moving. That dude's just standing in his stance. True that. You know, but yeah, it's Terrence Steele. And so Dak just never had a a prayer. And this is where I think it's funny. So then they go back down. The defense holds them to a field goal. It's nine, nothing. And everybody's pissed off at Dak. Okay. He he overthrew Michael Gallup. I mean, normal nine, not nine times. I mean, that's a 30 yard pass, but half the time Dak is going to lay that right into Gallup's hands for the down. So how is it Dak's fault that Noah Brown dropped a first down conversion. How is it Dak's fault that Dalton Schultz doesn't block on a pass to Michael Gallup and it's a loss? And how is it Dak's fault on the next play that Terrence Steele doesn't even get out of his stance and he has like 1.2 seconds before he's hit for a sack? And that's what I think is interesting. To me, the easy narrative when stuff like this happens is to just sit there and go, oh, well, Dak, 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 Dak. Dak was not good today. But it's not just Dak wasn't good. That's too simple. Now, I think I, I, th- I think that's a great point. And I think the thing is, everybody is forever looking for somebody to blame. And the easiest guy to blame is a quarterback. But I'm just going to tell y'all, <laughs> it doesn't matter if it, uh, I'm serious. It doesn't matter if it's Dak Prescott, if it's Pat Mahomes, if it's uh, Tom Brady, if it's Aaron Rodgers. You sack a quarterback five times, you hit him two other times, um, you're likely going to lose. I mean, it's just – and then check this out, man. The the Chiefs broke up nine passes. Yeah. They knocked down nine passes. They made two interceptions. Um, they played well in the secondary. And so it wasn't – and then there was, what, four or five drops? So nobody played well on offense for the most part. They all struggled in their own way. Um, the drops were ridiculous again. Yeah. Sometime in three weeks, they had a bunch of drops. Multiple drops. And so, okay, Dak throws the ball in a good spot, and then we drop it. 
or you know Dak doesn't throw the ball in a good spot, and then the Chiefs guys knock it down. The Chiefs guys really play good in, in the secondary. That interception in yeah. the end zone, that's a fantastic play. It looked like it was underthrown a little bit. But uh, sometimes you got to give the other team credit. The Chiefs played well. The Cowboys did not. And um, the thing about it is, and I I get it. I've covered the NFL since 1995. Says the man who throws his resume on the table. (laughs) So, (laughs) no, here it is. Boom, right there. So I get it. But I hit somebody on Twitter, man. I was like, dude, you're just so reactionary, man. Very. Well, we'll never, we'll never do anything now. Very. We're just losing the first round. It's like you're just so reactionary. Yes. Because here's the deal, man. Didn't the Bills get blasted 41-14 at the crib by the Colts? Didn't the Tennessee Titans, who, man, the Tennessee Titans might be the best team in the league. Look at all these great teams that they've beaten. Championship teams over the last month. They went and lost to the Texans. Really? Yeah. You know, the Packers lost today. Um, winning in the NFL is hard. All the teams are talented. I've told y'all before, man. Most And I ain't breaking no news here. Most games come down to four or five plays. And if you make them, you win. If you don't make them, you lose. And um, the Cowboys, man, they didn't make no plays today. I mean, I think they had one completion of more than 20 yards. Yeah, and that was was at the very end during garbage time. Right. Essentially garbage time. A lot of that was the offensive line was just trash today, man. Dude, it It gave Dak no time to do nothing. And again, this is where this narrative to me, and there's so much of it, and I'm going to point some of you out on Twitter and talk directly to you at some point. Well, just because it's too much. And I get it because I, I, but my thing is, and I put this out there, I said, this is week, technically it's week 11, week 11 in the NFL. Okay. You went on the road, on the road to the place that most people think is the most difficult place in the NFL to play on the road in week 11, you lost. All right. You're seven and three. There are no other teams in the NFL, none except for the Arizona Cardinals that have less than three losses. That's it. <laughs> and everybody is freaking the fuck out because the Cowboys just went into Arrowhead and lost a game that like, like, where is it? Let me give Greg some props here because he just tweeted and he said this. He goes, at the beginning of the season, I had this game circled as a loss on the road against Mahomes <laughs> and the resurgent Chiefs was always going to be difficult. Even before Tyron, Amari, CD and Olympic Zeke hamstrung the offense on the plus side, the defense looks good. That is a normal person tweet because how many of you out there before the season began had going to Kansas city as a loss. Now they lose it and people are freaking out. This team's not any good. They suck. Dak's not elite. We're trash so much. It's the same as every other year. And, and, you know, to go back to some of what we were talking about a minute ago, because I want to go back to, again, we just told you about the first two drives. How about the third drive? Did we all forget this? Third drive. They are driving down the field. They have a third and five from the Kansas City 10. False start yep. on Lyle Collins. Yeah, I was like, dude. Now it becomes I third mean, and 10. At the goal line. I mean, you know, in the red zone, the difference between third and five and third and 10 in the red zone is ridiculous. I mean, it's incredible. But that's because, Dak's fault. You know, because obviously, especially the way the Cowboys have been playing, you get four yards. Okay, you're going for it on fourth and one or, you know, fourth and two, depending on what it is uh, in the situation. But when you get that penalty, man, it's just like, wow, dude, you, really? Come on, man. 
And then, you know, we forget about things like this. The fourth drive, they have a a 12 man in the huddle penalty that got them to first and 15. Dak is able to get a first down regardless of that. It is third and nine. Dak throws to Schultz for a first down. Oh, there's a penalty. It's a hold on Steele. Oh, thank God. Also, a Kansas City penalty on the next play, which gave him a first down. Otherwise, they wouldn't have got one because Steele erased the one that Dak got. Then they are driving down there. Dak throws to Noah Brown, hits him right in the hands. Or that's the one that they said was kind of behind him. Whatever. Noah Brown catches that ball. Any NFL receiver catches that ball. That's a first down. Dropped. And then on the very next play, Dak is hit as he throws it, and the ball just wanders off, and they have to punt. But that's Dak's fault. Yeah, well, I mean, it's um. Now I, I will make it clear. Like Dak didn't play well. I'm not really cutting for Dak. No, but the point being, I'm painting the picture. Neither did anybody else on the offense. Yeah. No, they they were. It was a bad day at the office. There was, like I said, there was drops. There were penalties on. I mean, three different players had a procedure penalties. Uh, Still had the hold right there. It was a. It was a rough day at the office. And they never got control of the game to the point where they could get the crowd completely out of it. Because for a stretch there, again, the defense gave them opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to get in the game. You know, they had the two interceptions. They yeah. got deep in uh, Kansas City territory, and they just couldn't do anything with it. I think five times inside the 30, dog, and uh, no touchdowns. Can't win like that. No, you can't. And, and, you know, at one point, the way that Kellen Moore started calling the game, and I even put this in my notes, I said, this is sometime in the third quarter. I said, at this point, offensively, it feels like Kellen doesn't trust the line to give Dak time to let anything develop downfield. They're doing a lot of short stuff and checkdowns. At that point, Dak had thrown it 27 times for 88 yards, which is 3.3 yards per attempt, which for those that don't know, is god awful. Like, you can't play in the NFL. (laughs) Dak's career low in a game is 4.46 and we're halfway through the third quarter and he was getting 3.3 yards in attempt and they just didn't have any time and it really felt like over the course of the game they started calling the game like that dude he was three for 15 for 47 yards on throws more than 10 yards down the field it's insane (laughs) there's no time no time for him to let anybody get down the field and they were getting a lot of pressure with four a lot of times and this is so you know, it, it's just the frustration of multiple poor time penalties, multiple drops, unbelievable amount of pressure on Dak, and then obviously Dak not playing at the level that you would expect Dak to play at. It's a combination of all of that where I don't know what you point at to the offense and say they did a good job today. Even Zach Martin got mauled by Chris Jones at one point and gave up a crucial sack. You know, that's like the, the second sack. Zach Martin's given up in like three or four years. Yeah. <laughs> it was that kind of day. Like my man, Gary Thomas from Alabama. He's from your neck of the woods. Yeah. These days. You know, he hit me up on Twitter. He's a good dude. But he was like, this kind of game they paid Dak to win. Aaron Rodgers won a game earlier with, you know, missing his left tackle and his receiver stuff. I'm, and, you know, Gary's a good dude. But I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> I need to, <laughs> I need to admit this something. Game. What's that? I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't think Dak is as good as Aaron Rodgers. I know, I know, <laughs> I know, I know that I'm you're a, pissed and you're going to argue with me, but I personally <laughs> do not believe Dak is as good as Aaron Rodgers. I know. I'm sorry. Well, right now he's not. I don't think anybody has Dak as a surefire Hall of Fame quarterback Jesus. right now. And I know for a fact 
as much as I can. Aaron Rodgers is going to be a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback. Why is that always a comparison with Dak? Well, you know, Peyton Manning wouldn't have done that. Aaron Rodgers wouldn't do that. Tom Brady wouldn't do that. So you mean like the greatest quarterbacks of all time wouldn't do what Dak does? So Dak is not right now, maybe ever, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time? My God, I can't believe you. Why is that the comparison? People had this problem, man. They just do. Um, it blows my mind. Like, it makes you all sound like asinine. Mo- like, what are you doing? Aaron Rodgers would. Aaron Rodgers could. Okay, who else? And then you name. And then you know who they name? They always name guys that are in the Hall of Fame or are headed to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, true that, true that. So can Dak not be one of the best quarterbacks in the game this year, right now, <laughs> without being a Hall of Famer? I, I've uh, never understood that argument. Makes no sense to me. No, nah, man. It's uh it's uh you know. I try not to get bogged down in that. Um you know, but it was gonna be tough, man. Um and I think we answered some questions today. Today was interesting. You know, Amari Cooper's not there. Some folks are like, ah, oh, let Amari Cooper go. Who cares? Let C D Lamb and Michael Gallup play or let C D Lamb <laughs> and, you know, somebody else come and I'm like, Hey man. You know, there's a reason why Mark Cooper is the number one receiver right now. Yep. Because CD wasn't, wasn't getting open on that double coverage all the time. And that's just the way it is. Uh, now, that being said, Matt, we haven't talked a lot about Amari Cooper. But he's going to miss two games because he's unvaccinated. And uh, I just got this tweet from uh, DFW Culture All Sports guy who's, you know, he's a fairly uh, what I call, you know, normal dude. Uh, just wondering why the media just let Amari Cooper slide. Now, I'm always curious about that. Like, I mean, I don't know that he slid. What do you want him to this do? D- <laughs> this dude turned Dak into pre-Amari Dak and should receive a hefty fine for his dumbass personal decision not to vaccinate. To those knuckleheads who wanted to trade Amari, now you know. See, I can't figure out if he's mad at Amari or he loves Amari. No, there's a lot of that. Um, I got a lot of that today, too, on Twitter about people blaming Amari and, you know, this is unex- inexcusable on his part and stuff like that, that kind of narrative. Well, I mean, I think, you know, I think he just, he just, I mean, he he made his decision and his decision was to be unvaccinated. And if you take that decision, then, um, you know, you got to deal with the uh, with the um, with the consequences, which he's doing, because guess what, dog? He ain't just missing two games. You know what else he's missing, Matt? Hmm. Two paychecks, bro. That's true. He is. I mean, he was willing to not get paid. Yeah, and I mean, you know, he's missing um, two paychecks, and those are the big paychecks. Those are not the small yeah. paychecks, man. And so when my man says he needs to pay a hefty fine for his decision, bruh, his base salary uh, this year is um, $20 million. That's his salary, bro. That means he's Go missing a little over a million dollars each game. Yeah, divide that by 17, mm-hmm. you'll get his salary per game. And because he's unvaccinated, he's missing two of those game checks. That, my friends, is a lot of paper. I mean, that's a lot of paper. How much is that, Matt? That's uh, $1.1 million a game yep. times two. He's going to lose $2.35 million. Well, that's good, man. I think that's a big-ass five for not being vaccinated. Matter of fact, bro, I just shake my head at that. 
Yeah, it seems a little extreme to me, but again, teach their own. And, and if that's what you want to do and it jeopardizes your team, then that's something that you got to live with on your own decision. Yeah. So, I mean, I think he's, uh, I mean, I think he feels bad about it. I'm sure he didn't want to get the virus, but that's just the way it is. That's the way it goes, man. In today's NFL, that's the way that it works. So it's how football go. It is. And, and <laughs> look, look, there's a lot to get into. And, and we've done a very good job of ripping the offense, of ripping what this has become of the last look two out of the last three games. It's obvious the offense has been out of sync. And then last week they annihilated Atlanta. Who knows? And, and if a trend develops and it happens again here in the next couple of weeks with the Raiders, the Saints, Washington coming up, then maybe there's something to it. But I, I want to let's knock out a couple of our sponsors because I wanted to throw this out there as far as one more thing about the offense. But before we do that, you know, let's tell you about the wonderful people, of course, at BlueStarMotorGroup.com. If you haven't been there and you're looking for a vehicle, I don't know that you're actually really looking for a vehicle because... <laughs> It doesn't make sense to car shop, especially in the world of this economy with vehicles, I mean, without checking in with Blue Star Motor Group. Because if you don't, you're leaving a lot of money out there. You're not getting the best deal that you could possibly get because Blue Star Motor Group, Deb and Mike, they're local. They're going to work with you to make sure that you get that great deal and they'll be able to offer it to you. So I'm telling you, I'm serious. If you are in the market for a vehicle, you need to check out Blue Star Motor Group. Dude, thing I like about Blue Star Motor Group is what all y'all should like about it. Deb and Mike are all about win-win. And it doesn't matter whether they're buying your car or selling you a car. When all the paperwork is signed, when the handshake is done, they want you smiling at them saying, wow, what a great deal. I can't wait to tell somebody about this. Because that's how their business succeeds, and that's why it's thrive for you know as long as it has, man. They're all about the win-win, and to me, I love it. 817-881-4066. You can shoot Deb a text. You can give her a call. 817-881-4066. They've got it all, man. They've got right now on their website. They've got a 2016 Volkswagen Jetta for under $19,000. they have got a 2012 Toyota Tacoma four-wheel drive for under $18,000. And they also have something like a 2020 Toyota Tundra for under $49,000. So it's, it's all over the map. They, a variety of vehicles, a variety of price ranges, superior quality. All of them are Carfax certified. All makes and models. BlueStarMotorGroup.com. Also, have you gotten your Biltong yet? You're like, Biltong, Biltong. What is Biltong? Biltong. <laughs> it's like beef jerky, but it is a traditional South African air-dried meat. It is better. It has become, I've talked about this, and this is true. It's one of my go-to snacks now. I love it because it's zero sugar. There's no artificial ingredients, and it's super high in protein. Like, their two-ounce snack bags that they sell, 240 calories and 30 grams of protein. Dude. It's fantastic, man. It's uh, the sliced biltong is what does it for me. Yeah, I love that one. Um, and for me, it's it's incredibly filling. Like I do two or three handful. I mean, you know, reach my hand in there. The two. What I'm saying is, a two ounce bag is actually more than I eat at one setting. Uh, usually, I do about an ounce with some water, and I'm I'm like stuffed until it's time to do it again. I love it for a midday snack. I mean, y'all know I work out. Mm -hmm. um, I try to find stuff that's low in cal. The protein is what works for me at 30 grams. I love the fact it's got no sugar. It's got no additives and all that stuff, man. No carbs. 
And it's delicious. The slice built on, baby, you can't beat it. It is. It's fantastic. I actually just ordered two more bags that will be delivered to my house probably tomorrow or Tuesday, I would imagine. I, I, I absolutely love it. I truly do. I think it's delicious. I think you will like it as well. It's very savory. It's very tender. It's Biltong. Online at BrewsBiltong.com. That's the website you need to go to. B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G. BrewsBiltong.com. Use the promo code JAM15 at checkout. You get 15% off your order. All right? Make it happen. BrewsBiltong.com. But the other thing I wanted to throw out about the offense before we move on to the defense is this narrative, because I, again, another one that I saw from many of you on Twitter, I guess Denver did show the blueprint. I guess Denver figured it out and Kansas City was able to use that blueprint. (laughs) And I just thought, did you guys watch both those games? Because what Denver did is not what Kansas City did. I mean, I think when you, I mean, man, dude, stop it. I mean, I don't pay any attention to that. If you you really paid attention to the game, you'll see that, uh, you know, the, the Cowboys, man, they just didn't. You know what I wrote, man? I wrote that they didn't really match Kansas City's intensity into the second quarter. Mm -hmm. And that kind of threw everything out of whack. Because if they played, because I look at it like this, the 19 points is a big deal to me. I don't care. You know, Pat Mahomes didn't have no great day. He threw 260 yards, I think, with a couple of interceptions. Or one, at least one, maybe two, I can't remember. And how about this? For only the fifth time in his career, he didn't throw a touchdown pass. Yeah, no touchdown pass. He had the one pick, and the other one that you're thinking about, that was the fumble when Parsons had the right. strip sack on him. So it wasn't like Pat Mahomes lit him up. Tyreek Hill had nine catches, I think, but he had 77 yards. He had one long one. Now, he made a lot of nice plays converting short catches into third down conversions. But Tyreek Hill didn't dominate the game. I mean, he didn't go for 150 and two or three touchdowns and right. a bunch of big plays. So the defense played well, but, you know, the offense just never matched them. And the intensity to me, even for the first quarter with the defense, wasn't there. And that's why they felt like an uphill battle the whole game. Yeah. And so to me, I I just I disagree with the narrative of that blueprint and that Kansas City copied what Denver did. I will also tell you this. The Dallas defense, that was the fourth lowest rated game of Pat Mahomes career. Wow. He had a oh, just what was it a seventy one point nine quarterback rating, the fourth lowest of his career. So that kind of goes to show you what Dallas did against what many people believe is one of the top two or three best quarterbacks of the NFL the last three or four years. Oh, dude! I mean, again, after the start, <clears throat> I thought they played really, really well. I agree. They got, pressure, they got pressure on them. They made plays in the secondary. They contained them. Dan Quinn did a good job of adjusting to whatever the script Kansas City rolled out on. And then, you know, Doc, we got to take some time to talk about your boy, Micah Parsons, bona fide beast. Because, and here, this to me is how I judge players, man. It's always been like that for me, just me, is I think the score was 19 to 9 maybe or it was 16 to 6 or something like that or you tell me because you'll remember it Michael Parsons gets the sack the strip fumble the Cowboys recover in Kansas City territory and if you score a touchdown it's a ball game yeah dude what I love about him what I love about Trayvon Diggs when they're doing it that's what playmakers do Randy Gregory against the Patriots 
They make plays when you got to have them. Yeah, they might get some sacks in the fourth quarter, up 30 to nothing, but they make plays at winning time. And that was a play. Somebody can somebody make a play so we can get back in this game. And he made one. Now, it didn't work out, but he did all he could do. And that was good enough. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it was incredible. And I had written down. I wrote down right there. I said, huge, huge. Did Parsons just single-handedly change the game? Let's see if the offense can feed off of that play. And that, of course, that was the the seventh drive of the first half for the Cowboys when they got the ball right there leading up. And for whatever reason, they decided not to call a timeout. They had two timeouts. It was like 32, 33 seconds left. The clock was working. It, it, the only thing I can think of is what they, they must have thought they had Kansas City in a look defensively that they felt like they could take advantage of and didn't want to right. slow it down to allow them to, to change that look. And that's when Dak had the one on one coverage outside with Lamb. And as you mentioned earlier, it was pretty much, you know, he underthrew the ball and Lamb wasn't able to knock it down. And it was an interception in the end zone coming off that turnover that Parsons created. Well, no, it was a, I mean, it was a heck of a play by yeah. uh, by Ward, man. I mean, it was just a heck of a play because it's basically a one-handed interception. And so, um, you know, I was uh, I was impressed with it. But it's a play, it's a throw where I think Troy said, you know, there was a there was a, and Dak has done this a lot this year. And so I think at some point you just have to say that's kind of who he's evolving into. There was an easier throw for the first down underneath. And he went for the big throw and the home run and the touchdown. Mm-hmm. Now, if it works out, we're all jumping up and down going, hey, that's Dak. Yep. Uh, it didn't work out. And so you're like, yeah, maybe you should have taken the other throw, bro. But he's done that a number of times this year. And so I think that's kind of who he is right now, which is I'm going for the big play when, when, I, when, it, when it's there. And most of the time, it has worked. It has, and it, it certainly didn't today. But when you look at this defensive performance, man, I think you have to be, and you've kind of talked about this. I mean, holding them to just 19 points, as we just said, the fourth lowest quarterback rating of his career, just the fifth time ever. Pat Mahomes, no touchdown passes. And all in all, I mean, that's what was so wild about this is if you look at what they did and how they were able to really kind of to close it down because they had the nine play, 86 yards for a touchdown, made it 6 nothing. Then the fumble that Dallas had that was picked up in Kansas City only got three yards in that. With I mean, they were already in field goal position, 9 nothing. Right. Then Dallas gets a field goal. Then Kansas City goes right down the field, six, eight plays, 65 yards. So that made it 16-3. to three. But all in all, after that, here's what they did to Kansas City, okay? Punt, punt, fumble, the, the Parsons one we just talked about, end of half, interception, punt, Field goal, missed field goal, punt, end of game. Against the Kansas City offense and Pat Mahomes. On the road in Arrowhead. That's a damn good performance from that defense. Dude, they gave up 19 points. So that's a winning performance. It's 19 points. You know, I told you uh, going into the season, man, that I wasn't worried about aesthetics. I was worried about the bottom line, which is basically scoring defense, red zone defense, third down defense. You do well at those. I don't really care how many yards you've given up. Um, and so, you know, the defense did well, man. Michael Parsons, three sacks, at least one tackle for loss. I mean, he was a beast. They just uh, they just didn't match the intensity from the start. But once they got into the game, they were fine. Yeah, and you talk about third down defense. Kansas City was only 4 of 12, converting just 33% of their third downs. You're going to take that 
nine times out of 10 against an offense like this, especially. I thought all in all, it was a very solid defensive performance outside of those first two drives. And that's what was so damn frustrating because the defense kept stepping up and giving the offense opportunities and the offense just just never grabbed. Also, and I thought we were done with the offense, but then I remembered I wanted to get into this because I was curious what you thought. Were you surprised as aggressive as we have seen McCarthy be at times this year with the offense that especially as the game got late into the third quarter and the fourth quarter that they were punting on some of those fourth downs? Nah, because um, I think I put once I put on Twitter, this is two down territory. And then the, then that gets sacked on third down um, because they were ending up with like fourth and 10, fourth and 11, fourth and nine. You just the odds are you're not going to make those. And so your defense was playing good. Your offense was not. So the odds were better to me that we'll punt the ball, hope our defense can make another play or get a three and out or four and out, and we can get the ball back and maybe we can start again. The the problem to me was on a couple of those last series in the fourth quarter, there were third down sacks which ruined the drive. If they get anything on third down, then yeah, you go for it on fourth down. Like when they kicked that field goal to score nine, they didn't want to do that. But they had, something happened on third down where they had to kick the field goal. It wasn't really going for it wasn't an option. And that's why going for it is all about the pace of the game. Are you moving the ball? Do you feel confident? Then you go for it. The way they were playing today, eh, there was no need to go for it. You know, this is also interesting offensively because this is the third time in the last four games that they failed to crack even 80 yards rushing. Because I think today... No, they okay. They cracked eighty today. They had eighty-two total yards today. Yeah, that don't count because thirty-one came in that trick play to Tony Pollard, and so the the your bigger point is they they didn't run the ball good today, right? And they haven't so, recently. Yeah, now I ain't, I ain't breaking no news here, bro. Tyron Smith is Pro Bowl All Pro, mm-hmm. future Hall of Famer for a reason. <laughs> and when you don't have him, it's harder to run when you're facing and see today. Kansas City did to them what they do to most teams. Even though the game was close, it felt like Kansas City was always on the verge of blowing you out. And it was like, we can't waste time running the ball. We got to get these points back. And I think they abandoned the run a little bit. I mean, uh, Zeke didn't even – neither one of those guys got 10 carries. Zeke 9 for 32, I think. Pollard uh, 7 for 50. But, again, 31 came on that really nice trick play where he took the ball out of shotgun, faked it to Dak, and then went around right in. Um, so it wasn't a good running game. Uh, they'll be at home against the Raiders, and I would expect for them to run the ball like we've seen them run the ball. Yeah, I, I think this is a little bit, you know, Kansas City has been trending up, and they've been playing, they've been getting a lot better, and going into Arrowhead is such a difficult place to pull something out and to win, but you look at this Vegas team, man, they've dealt with just gobs of drama gobs of just difficultness and especially in recent weeks they are on a three-game losing streak they lost to the giants 23 16 to the chiefs 41 14 and today to the Bengals 32 to 13 i have a hard time believing that this version of the raiders is coming into at&t stadium on thanksgiving i honestly wouldn't be surprised it's a short week but I wouldn't be surprised if you see that type of reaction, like how they played against Atlanta, if the Cowboys channel that again at home and they're just pissed off and annihilate Las Vegas. Yeah, and then look at the Saints. The Saints aren't any good. They got trounced today. Yeah, Trevor uh, Simeon's trash. Right, and so to me, that's a game you're supposed to win, and you take two out of these three, 
everything's good. Um, setting up to the home stretch against uh, the division. And, you know, the Eagles are playing a lot better. Uh, they're not good, but they're playing a heck of a lot better. Um, Jalen, he makes it difficult to defend because he can run so damn well. I mean, his passing numbers are not good, but he's running like he's a running back. Yep. And I think uh, I think it's just cons- – I mean, if you're Lamar Jackson, that's what you do. You can win like that. Uh, the, the Eagles won today. I just think in general it's hard to win like that because he's not as he's not as dynamic as Lamar Jackson. But I will give him this. He's making it do what it do, and that's all you can ask a guy to do. Yeah, so you look at it, and, and again, we'll see how it turns out, but the Saints are also playing on Thanksgiving. They play the night game against Buffalo, who – who knows what I don't know what to think of Buffalo anymore, but the Saints have also lost three in a row. So they're coming in with a three game losing streak, potentially a four game losing streak when they play the Cowboys and the Raiders have already lost three in a row. So we'll see how this plays out. But again, people, again, please try to keep this in mind. This is the NFL. Nobody's going to go undefeated, especially this year. And you, you know what? I bet the Cowboys probably lose again somewhere. And does that mean they're not any good? Does that mean they suck? that the season's over? No, of course it doesn't. <laughs> well, th- this whole narrative today is just driving me insane. Because also, and it, it, it's you know, also funny because every just about everybody had this marked as an L when the season started. I know. Every <laughs> I did at, when the season started, I thought they'd lose this game for sure, and then the way that they were playing, I thought that they would win, and then we find out Tyron and Mari Cooper out. I was like, "Well, they're not going to win on the road at Arrowhead." And right. you know, we we've talked about this before. It's not how much you pay players like all this whole narrative. Oh, you can't win if you pay Dak that much. It has nothing to do with it. But if the players you pay the most aren't playing, you're going to lose. And guess who they're paying the most? Demarcus Lawrence, Tyron Smith, Amari Cooper. That is a massive chunk of money that was not in this game today. And when you have that much money missing, you lose a lot more often than you win. There's a reason why they pay those guys so much. Nope. You you need your best players on the field and you need your best players to play good. It's right. real complicated. Right. And, and and I have some things I want to directly address, but let's let's throw out freeway tire shop for you guys. You guys know about them. If you haven't been taking your vehicles here, I don't know why. Like the easy narrative yeah. would be maybe you don't like to trust your mechanic, maybe you like to throw money away. I don't know what it is. But if you want to take your replace to a mechanic shop you can trust that's going to give you a fair deal, he's going to explain to you why you need the work that you need, what it costs up front, and talk you all the way through the process. Freeway Tire Shop. JR and his crew are the place you can trust. Freeway Tire Shop for me is all about trust, man. And I've been telling y'all this. And my, it ain't nothing going to change, man. It's about trusting jr to diagnose what's wrong with your car that's the most important thing then i really trust him to use quality parts because he's told me this hey you can use this it's not quite as good a part but it costs less or use this more expensive part which will last longer choice is yours you pick the one you wanted you want to go with that's kind of mechanic jr is you know then i trust him to fix the thing man charge me a fair price and then stand behind his work you get all of that every single time you take your car to JR. And it doesn't matter whether you're getting a new engine like I'm doing for the Challenger, whether he's diagnosing the problem for the Jag, whether he's putting an a, uh, inspection sticker on the uh, Expedition, or, uh, you know, he's, he's oil changing something. It doesn't matter, man. It's always the same. 
It's always the same. It, it's what you can count on. It's what you can trust. JR, his guys at Freeway Tire Shop, just north of downtown Dallas, right off of 35. You can request a quote. You can schedule your appointment. You can do it all online at freewaytireshop.com. Now, I know many of you are excited because this is Thanksgiving week, and that means that Black Friday is coming up and all kinds of different things. Well, our friends over at False Idol Brewing in North Richland Hills. A lot of people are off on Friday, which must be fun. But a lot of people are off on Friday. And if you are looking for something to do on Friday, they do this. This is only the second year that they can do it because obviously they've only been around for a little over a year. But coming up on Friday at False Idol Brewing, they are doing what they call the darkest timeline. It is their Stranger Things Black Friday event all day long. No tickets required. They will have four different dark stouts in cans and on tap, all with a Stranger Things Stranger Things theme to celebrate Black Friday. And if there's one thing I know you love, it's their stouts, four brand new stouts at False Idol this Friday. Oh, my. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. I bet. Yep. Wow. Boy, that you know what? That's that might be enough to get me to travel out there to North Richland Hills. Yeah, you might want to get over there because these are these are going to be elite level, like damn good stouts. And I'll probably be able to tell you a little bit more about them later in the week as far as flavor profile. But four stouts all in one flight together. You can get the cans and everything. It's a really cool deal that they do for Black Friday. And it's right there in North Richland Hills, just north of 183. All right. Family owned, local, great place, man. If you love local craft beer or if you just love craft beer and you haven't tried False Idol Brewing, I don't know what the hell you've been doing. Oh, I'll <laughs> I don't tell you, either, man. you've been missing out. That's what you've been doing. It's like you're purposely missing out for no reasons that we don't understand. Nope, because the, uh, the the stouts are fantastic. They are. Mm, my God, they're good. So go get them. All right. Do you want to go through some questions that I have or do you want to go for a trip around the block? Uh, we'll go through some questions that you have. Okay, because I'm just going to go through, just just scrolling through some Twitter, some of the things that <laughs> I, prompted my mind, all right? Yeah, bro. First off, I kind of alluded to this, okay? And look, I, 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 many of you know, I was born into a Cowboys family. I've been a Cowboys family a fan since I was born, all right? So when people are like, oh, you just like them because everybody does. No, I, I was there for the 1-15 season in 89. <laughs> all I ever remember is being a Cowboys fan. I understand. Right, right, right. I get the frustration of the last 25 years, but holy shit, people. All right. Can we calm down? Multiple people tweeting at me about this whole, they've lost two out of their last three. They're not that good. This shows you what kind of team this is. The Green Bay Packers have lost two out of their last three. The Los Angeles Rams have lost two out of their last three. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have lost two out of their last three. The Buffalo Bills have lost two out of their last three. So I guess that they're not any good either. And the only team that's any good in the NFL is the only team that hasn't lost three games or more. And that's the Arizona Cardinals. It, it, I, I, and that's what I think is hilarious is that nobody will look at how the NFL is playing out and that on any given Sunday, if you don't bring it, you can lose to anybody. But it's all, oh, well, the Cowboys aren't any good. Well, I mean, but the Packers are. Well, that was on a last-second field goal. Wait, 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 what do you mean the Rams have staff? They just traded for OBJ. I mean, what are we doing? <laughs> um, dude, I mean, I think it's, um, you know, fan 
as we've discussed numerous times, Matt, is short for fanatic. And so we can't be we you know, we can't be shocked and surprised when people overreact. When people, you know, just because they want to win so badly, when they don't win, they go crazy. I mean, I get it. I I understand it. So, you know, I shake my head sometimes, but in general, it doesn't bother me. I, I just again try to have a little context. Try to have a little positivity and understanding. You know, like I look, you guys know a lot of the times when we do secret audio of a Cowboys homer, I'm within the game. I get it. But I always take a step back at the end of the game and look at it. I mean, in the moment, I understand. But let's all try to take a step back and just try to understand what's going on. The other thing, and hopefully I painted a good enough picture for you earlier with the comments that I had about this, the Dak hate hive, which I thought was dead apparently still has some members who have decided to randomly show up again. And that's something that I think is fascinating to me. And one of them, Hayden Clark, Hayden tweets at me trying to find his original tweet here. He says, when is a quarterback going to overcome the lack of talent? Isn't that what elite guys do? And he basically goes on to say, cause I responded to him a couple of things And he says, plenty of evidence he's not. Never has been, never will be. He's as good as what's around him with this offense healthy and more. He's good enough, but elite and MVP talk is comical. And I tweeted back at him. I said, well, then we just disagree and think each other is comical because I think it's comical what he said. And the funny thing about this is, you know, we kind of mentioned this. If if you've switched teams today and you took, if you took Tyree Kill away from Pat Mahomes and you took Travis Kelsey out for the second half, his top two weapons, what would he look like? Because that's what happened to Dak. But Mahomes doesn't need those guys. And I think that it's extremely rare, extremely rare to have quarterbacks in this league who can win without elite weapons around them. And as I mentioned earlier, the two that first pop into my mind are Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, and they will walk off the field and into the Hall of Fame. And so because Dak isn't th- those two guys, somehow he's not, he's just good enough. <laughs> Thank you, man. Um, again, if you don't like Dak, then you just don't like Dak. And anytime he has a bad game, you'll have a reason why, uh, you know, you can blame him for this or for that. And when he has a good game, you'll say, oh, well, look at all the talent he's got. You know, I can tell you all this, man. When Troy Aikman had Emmitt Smith and Michael Irvin and Jay Novacek in one of the best offensive lines ever, he was a heck of a lot better than he was in 1997 when he didn't have all of that. Yes. I mean, my God. You know, um, teams teams spend their whole deal trying to come up with talent for the quarterback. Uh, Because if you put talent around your quarterback, typically you win. The only guys I can think of who haven't really had that around them is Tom Brady in New England. And what's the first thing that happened when he went to Tampa Bay? They tried to get that dude every weapon on the planet. Yep. Um, Aaron Rodgers. And I'd say Drew Brees did not have a lot of wide receiver talent. Sure. That's fair. And there's a reason why those guys are all going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. They're so good, they don't need it. Everybody else, they pretty much need it. Yeah, everybody else, man. That is why every single young quarterback that you look at in the league, why do you think the Bills went out and made the trade for Stephon Diggs for Josh Allen? Why do you think they drafted Dalton Knotts? Why do you think they added Cole Beasley? I mean, there's just so many that you can look at across the league where that is the case. Even Lamar Jackson, what have they done with Lamar? They went out and drafted Hollywood Brown. They've been trying to put offensive weapons around Lamar Jackson ever since they got him. 
Everybody. It's just so, that, that is such a tired narrative to me. It's just lazy. So I got that out of the way. Okay, what else you get up with? The other one, and I heard this from a handful of people. And usually, like, if it's one person, I'm like, oh, whatever, you're the anomaly. But when I see, like, right. three, four, five people start tweeting something similar, I'm like, where is this coming from? And I had a handful of y'all this afternoon into the evening talking about typical Cowboys, late season collapse. One guy tweeted at me, this is what they do. They're going to limp into the end of the season. Somebody else said weeks one through 10, they're good. Weeks 11 through 17, they always fall off the table. Stop. Since Dak Prescott has been the quarterback of this team, you know, the last five fucking years, the Dallas Cowboys are 24 and 13 in November and December. Now, I don't know about you. (laughs) But generally speaking to me, being 11 games over 500 in the two final months of the year, fairly decent. Pretty good, huh? Pretty good. So that, and again, what happens is it's, it's not that you don't trust this team. It's not that you think some of the things that you say are true because of what you're talking about, the fanatic, the fanatic part. It's because you are putting the angst of the last 25 years all into one moment on this team. And that's just unfair. I mean, it's unfair, but, you know, I get it, man. I mean, any of us who've been in a relationship that didn't work out and was really bad, you get scarred by that, man. You You do. And I get it. Into your next relationship. And so. If you're a Cowboys fan, you've been scarred by what happened in 2017 and what happened in 2018. I mean, in uh, 2007 and 2014 and 2016, all of that has scarred you. And so anytime, you know what this is, Matt? This is like, uh, I've got a friend of mine who sent me a text uh, last week and said, I'm having a bad day. I got triggered by something I saw in the news. This is just a trigger, man. This is a game that brought up all those bad memories from 07 and 14 and 16. And people are like, oh, my God, here they go. They suck again. And it's really not the case. Yeah, it, it is. And and again, you know, we kind of already talked about the blueprint thing. Several people, I mean, several that this is the same game plan that Denver did to us. You know, like, and, and I apologize because I'm trying to pronounce your name correctly, and I apologize if I mispronounce it, but Mikhail Muhammad on Twitter, who tweeted, right. you know, appreciate you. I appreciate the nice comments, man. Like, I actually enjoyed the back and forth with you, but he said, it's a bad look. The same game plan Denver did to us. And what type of talent do you expect to see in the playoffs? This is a big deal. Just be honest with what our team looks like. And so to me, again, as we have painted the picture here today, the team overall The defense looked good. The defense is so much better than it was last year. I think we can all agree on that. The offense has played like shit in two out of the last three weeks. Okay, this is an 11. They're they're 10 games into it. So eight games were totally cool at the offense. Two games mean that, well, let's be honest with what this team is. (laughs) And I just don't understand when you take a step back and you try to look at the totality of what this is. Obviously, if they play this way, and they have some of the problems that they had and they don't have Amari Cooper and they, they miss Lamb for a half and Tyron can't play and the offensive line continues to have these types of problems. And Dak, who quite frankly had been playing at an MVP level except for two games this season, if Dak is going to be that quarterback we saw against Denver and Kansas City all the rest of the way, then yeah, there's a problem. But I just feel like we, we have such a large sample size in this season, in this season, to believe this is a good team. 
Is this team going to win the Super Bowl? I don't know. Are they going to win a playoff game? No idea. They're going to go to the playoffs. And I don't know what's going to happen in the playoffs when they get there. And that's what the playoffs is. This is, you know, the, the regular season is, and I think this is why this game pisses off so many people. This is what pisses everybody off about Romo is the regular season is not the test. The regular season is the studying and is the quizzes and is the, okay, you got a really good student here. Like this is a good student you have. And then you get into the playoffs and that's the test. And the Cowboys consistently have failed the test over the last 25 years. And I feel like what happens with this game today is, okay, we've had some good quizzes and, and, and we had some weeks where we thought we could just show up to class and we got a zero, the Denver game. And it feels like this Kansas City game, because of where it comes in the season, halfway, and who it's against, this is a test. Like, this is like a midterm exam. And we failed. And I think people are freaking out because I thought, you know, we studied right and we had this good semester. And then we got to the midterm exam and like, well, maybe we're really not that good. Maybe we really don't know what we're doing. No, you do. I mean, you just have, you know, perspective sometimes is hard to get. But that's what that's the key. You have to have perspective and understand what the situation is now injuries are part of the game so it all happens but there's sometimes you get compromised and it's just incredibly hard to win and every team goes through it just like every team in the nfl has a game where they don't show up and you go how the hell did that happen you know colts 41 buffalo 14 in buffalo how, how does that happen colts ain't even playing good um so you know it happens man And so you just have to understand that and ride with it and understand that the NFL is all about your totality of your season. It's not just about what happened this week or next week or the next two weeks. It's the totality of your season. The good teams over time win and the bad teams lose. You know, the other thing that's funny is the narrative of when it's your team, if you beat a bad team, it doesn't count. But then what they'll do is they say, well, I don't know. You're acting like this division's already over. Washington and Philadelphia have been playing good recently. Okay, so the fact that the Cowboys destroyed Atlanta, that's a shit win. It doesn't count. But the fact that Philadelphia, their last three wins are the Lions, the Broncos, and the Saints means they're playing really good and to watch out for them. I don't know. How's there the dual narrative? I mean, because that's what people do. (laughs) I mean, so... You're trying to make sense of what doesn't make sense. I know. So, and, and, and that's what I just, it's, it gets maddening at times. It, I mean, I did tell somebody on Twitter today that the, he was being the definition of obtuse. You did. And, and so I was just like, dude, I'm not going to talk to you, man. And I had a couple people with the lowercase K. Yeah. Because I thought they were making silly points. Uh, you know, because I don't have time for all of that, man. Uh, I mean, some things just don't make any sense. Uh, we can have some conversations about some other things the Cowboys are doing, but some things, man, just don't make sense. And so you got to call BS on it. I mean, it, it, like, what if the Cowboys lose two more games? They go five and two to close, and they finish twelve and five on the season in their seventeen game season. I imagine is that good enough to get the first round by? Probably not. I don't know because Arizona has been doing this. You know, one thing that's interesting about Arizona is Colt McCoy did what you need a backup to do. And he has held fort for the most part. Obviously, they lost last week, but, you know, two and one without Kyler Murray. Now they go into their bye week so that he can actually be healthy for their stretch run. You know, it may be hard, but you're going to have an opportunity. You know, you may be a game behind the Cardinals when you play them, but you have an opportunity to pass them by beating them later in the season. And that's the reality of it is every other team in the NFC has three losses, every single one. And guess what? None of them are going to win all the rest of their games. 
<laughs> I think that's uh, that's the part that you got to keep in mind, man. And that's the part that'll keep you from going crazy. It's supposed to, but I feel like I am going crazy. <laughs> I mean, how many people thought Green Bay were, was going to go into Minnesota today and lose to the Vikings? And that Minnesota now has lost two out of their last three games. And oh, by the way, Green Bay and the Rams play each other next week. So one of them will have four losses. Woo! And Green Bay still has to go on the road to the Baltimore Ravens. They got to play the Browns. They got to play the Vikings again. You know, the point being here is that, okay, we know for a fact the Rams or the Packers are going to have to have three losses. Well, the Rams, not only do they play the Packers coming up, they also go on the road to the Arizona Cardinals. So one of them is going to have to lose that game. So the Rams may have five losses or the Cardinals are going to pick up a third loss. I mean, can we not look ahead to this thing and realize that just because the Cowboys are seven and three, all these other teams somewhere along the way, unless Arizona just runs the table, everybody else in the NFC is going to finish with four losses or more. You know, man, it's we're really at the halfway point. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Let's just calm down a little bit, hug each other, be happy yeah, that it's football season. Yeah, it didn't work out the way we wanted to do it today. It sucked. It's frustrating watching it. I get it. But it was obvious this was not the best Cowboys team that they can be. We've seen that. Now the thing is, I think, learning how can we consistently show up and be the team that we know we're capable of being. That's the question. That's the question uh, that must be answered. And that's the consistency. You know, that's what's frustrating about watching some of these college teams. I'm, I'm sure you've been frustrated with, with Ohio State earlier in the year. Where's the consistency? You know, you got to figure that out. How can we play at this level we want to play at week in and week out? Alabama's dealing with that right now. Alabama is 10 and 1, and people are freaking out because, well, play like that against Georgia, you're going to lose. No title this year. It's like, okay, well, you know, they, it's true. They've been inconsistent weekly. And that's one of those concerns. You know, with the Cowboys in the last few weeks, they've been inconsistent. Figure it out because when they are consistent, they're one of the best teams in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, that's true. But I, I think that's that's the thing that every team is looking for. How can we be consistent? That's the right. thing that, I mean, that's ultimately the uh, the deal that separates the good teams from the bad ones. It's how can you be consistent on a week-to-week basis, uh, you know? And so uh, that's what every team is searching for. And the teams that find it play deep into the postseason. They do. So we still have some more that we need to get into, but let's tell you about one of our brand new sponsors. And this is a little something for you ladies, perhaps. Kinley Rose, K-I-N-L-E-Y, Kinley Rose. It's an online women's boutique. So ladies, I know a lot of you ladies are listening. Listen up. And guys, you listen up too, because this is a type of thing that you don't really have to think a lot about. It'll just be a great gift. So the holiday season is upon us and Kinley Rose, the online women's boutique focuses on attainable style without sacrificing comfort. Obviously coming up this weekend is Black Friday. Well, Saturday is Small Business Saturday. This gives you a great opportunity to support a local small business. You can check them out. They're online at KinleyRose.com. You can also find them on Instagram at ShopKinleyRose. And again, you spell Kinley, K-I-N-L-E-Y. So either way you do it, KinleyRose.com or online at ShopKinleyRose on Instagram. I'll tell you this, I've, I've looked at some of the Instagram and if you're looking for like that, that cute kind of outfit to impress your guy for a date night or whatever, they can provide that for you. It's trendy, it's fashionable. Look, I'm gonna be honest with you, man. Please do, please do. Please. I'm a dude. I don't, I don't really know much about this. 
you know, but ladies do. And I like when I can go somewhere that I don't really have to think about, well, am I getting something that's trendy or am I getting something that she would wear? You know what I mean? And, and I think that that's what this does for you because everything that they've got is something that is in the modern style and in that, that fashion that, that women like to wear right now. Well, shoot, it doesn't get any better than that, man. Uh, and I, I prefer to tell guys, dude, check out the site. Go pick up something for your girl. Yeah. That's the way to make it happen. That's the easiest thing you could do. Don't make it real complicated. Just do that. Listen to your boy. And you don't even have to leave your house because they ship it right to you. They've got everything you need for fall and winter. Sweaters, cardigans. They call them shackets, which is a shirt or jacket. You can wear it as a shirt or a jacket. How about that? Long sleeve blouses and tops. Lots of good basics and layering pieces. All that you need online at shop Kinley Rose on Instagram, or you can go to their website, KinleyRose.com. So support local, something very awesome there, making it happen, KinleyRose.com. Also, of course, HFX Foundation Solutions, full service foundation repair company that services all of DFW. You need to give him a call if you have seen some cracks and maybe you've noticed some soil washout or some sloped floors. You want to catch this type of thing early, and this is where HFX Foundation Solutions comes in because it's a local family thing. Aaron and his family are the people that own this, and when you call, he's the guy that comes out and takes care of this and makes sure that you are getting that upfront talk, that they walk you through the entire process. It's a free, no-obligation inspection. So it just makes sense. I was going to say, you know what I'd say. It, it makes sense because the phone call and the inspection is free, bro. Uh, and, you know, I said, I always tell people to get it for the peace of mind, man. Just the peace of mind. Have HFX in there and come check your house out. If you get a clean bill of health, what have you lost? Nothing. And if they find something, chances are you caught it early, which means you're going to pay a fraction of the cost to get it fixed. So give Aaron and HFX a call. Let them give your house its own version of a colonoscopy. And, uh, you know, sleep tight and have peace of mind, bro. 817-770-0174. Or you can go to hfxfoundation.com to schedule your appointment. Local, family-owned, HFX Foundation Solutions. So I found a couple of things I wanted to throw out to step away from football for a moment, if we don't mind. Just uh, here on what we like to call the block. Okay, okay, okay. If you don't mind, because they have announced Esquire Magazine. I think we're all familiar with Esquire. Esquire Magazine has put out their top 40 best new restaurants in America for the year of 2021. Only one place in Dallas, Fort Worth made the list. Let me guess. Tell me what type of restaurant it was. Mmm. I'm trying to decide how you would describe this without giving it away. Okay, I'll look. I could tell you the type of food that it has. Yeah, that's what I mean. Okay, it is gumbo, cornbread, shrimp and grits, fried chicken, stuff like that. Uh, yard bird? No, that's a good guess, though, but no. Okay, okay. All right, that was my one guess. Okay, it is Roots Southern Table in Farmer's Branch. Ain't never heard of it. So apparently it is, as I mentioned, prized for those types of entrees and whatnot. And Esquire says Roots is proof that black Southern cooking from the Creole coast, incorporating as it does elements of French, Spanish, African and Caribbean traditions, alchemizing as it does migrations forced and otherwise, is both the country's greatest culinary patrimony and its path ahead. 
Like, whatever that means. Damn. <laughs> Chef Tiffany Dairy. How about yeah. that? Yeah. So apparently, uh, you got to swing by and check that out, man, because it, it, it is one of the top 40 best new restaurants in America. It checked in on the list at number 19 overall, which I thought was pretty cool. Wow. Well, I mean, imagine I'll that. I'll check it out. I thought this was cool. So I think most people are aware that I now I've moved to Birmingham, Alabama a couple of months ago and I live here. Really? When Bur did you move? What? You came and saw me. Did you forget? Oh, yeah. My bad. So <laughs> Esquire's top 40 best new restaurants in America. The number three best new restaurant in the country is right here in Birmingham, Alabama. Wow. It, it is a restaurant called Helen. And it says, witness the 22-ounce dry-aged Kansas City strip drizzled with beef and herb-infused duck fat, porchetta with a crackling skin. <laughs> he says, the chef says, this is not a steakhouse, but I want them to know they're here. And they will, if not for the meat, then for the sides, like corn ribs, eighths of a cob served elote style, curl up like a rib or smile when eaten under the, bene the benevolent gaze of the portrait of Helen hanging from the wall. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and I, I told my lady friend about this because we're going to go check this place out because I don't know that many people realize this. Birmingham is somewhat of like a foodie paradise if you're really into food. Birmingham has a James Beard award-winning restaurant. Wow. Like it beat out restaurants from San Francisco and New York a couple of years ago to be named as the best restaurant in the country. And so food is a really big deal here. And there's some really cool unique places in the downtown Birmingham area that are all like not that far. I mean, it's not like Birmingham's that massive, but right. That are all fairly close to each other, which is really cool. And so we're going to have to go check this place out. And, you know, like the other night we went down and they kind of describe it as a speakeasy though. It's not because it's, it's just a bar that's underground. I don't, I don't know. Right. So you walk up to it and you just go down the staircase and the bar is down there. And that was pretty cool. But you know, Birmingham's got a, a it's one of those towns where the downtown is because Birmingham's not a huge city by any means. So it's one of those cities where you can actually kind of navigate downtown and there's a lot of really cool, trendy places downtown and it doesn't overwhelm you like it does in some of the massive cities where there's a lot of traffic and all these different huge buildings and you're not sure where you're supposed to go. Right. If that makes sense. No, I got you. Yeah. So. I thought that was cool, though. Number Texas had a few on here. Like the fourth best one is a place called Hestia, which is in Austin. Just some new downtown place in the in Austin's downtown. OK, there's a place called March that made the list. It's in Houston, March. I mean, what? You know, come on, man. Some of these restaurants are just you're just trying too hard. One of them is called Cadence. Oh, have you eaten at Cadence? Cadence, I tell you, it's fantastic. Yes, you have to call three months ahead to get a table, but I know the maitre d'. Mm. The steak's been aged for a century. That's right. It's amazing, actually. The preservation process at Cadence. Yes, they euthanize the cow and then embalm it. <laughs> they euthanize the cow and then embalm it. God. <laughs> Seriously, listen to some of these restaurant names, though. Iris, Muriel. Oh, that's my godmother's name. That's great. But just these, like, just one name, Deguste. Oh, yes, I've been. En passant, which is really interesting. Oh. Do you know what that is? En passant is a chess move. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. So uh, like when you're playing chess, you can do the en passant. It's a move in chess where you can take your pawn. It's a pawn capture that can only occur immediately after a pawn makes a move of two squares from its starting space and could have been captured by an enemy pawn had it only advanced one square. And when that happens, you can actually use your pawn to capture something without like, I mean, if it's right in front of you, you can just take it. It's called en passant. That was more than I wanted to know. I got to be honest with you. Well, come on. You know, knowing is half the battle. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So there you have it. I don't know. I just want to talk about those restaurants for a minute because I thought that was really cool that one in Dallas and one also in Birmingham got named. No, I thought that was interesting. That's pretty cool. I've I've already um, uh, my dad and his wife will be in town for Thanksgiving. And so guess what I did? You made reservations. Reservations for Friday. At Roots? Yeah. Oh, look at you. That's fancy. Sure it is. That'll be very nice. See, here's the deal. See, dad comes to town. Typically, he picks up the check. So, all these places you would never normally go, you got to go because dad will normally pick up the check. That is fantastic. And, I, and you know, for those of y'all, I got no shame in it because dad is always talking about what he's, what he's leaving me. I'm like, you ain't got to leave me shit, man. Spend this shit while you're here. <laughs> I'm not interested in no inheritance. I'd rather have you, man. So let's spend it and have a good time while you're here. Let's do that. I say do exactly that. And guess what? When I'm when I'm an old man, you know, when I come to town to see my dude, my grandkids, I'll pick up the check. So as we, you know, this is going to be an interesting week because Cowboys play on Thursday. We'll have a podcast on Tuesday. Thursday is Thanksgiving. We will be doing a podcast Thanksgiving evening, I imagine, after the Cowboy game. Right. You'll you know get what you get, depending on how much turkey we eat. Yeah, I'm, I'm not good. Well, I guess I'll have a turkey sandwich. Well, I mean, you know, you, you got weird dining habits. So, well, know. I mean, I'm doing Thanksgiving by myself. Oh, where is everybody? Well, I'm I don't have anybody. My family doesn't live here and my lady friend is going to do Thanksgiving with her family. But, you know, I have to work Wednesday. I have to do the show Wednesday and I have to do the show Friday because Saturday is Iron Bowl and Iron Bowl week here is I mean, it's a madhouse it's like Texas. OU. yeah, it, even bigger than that. I mean, it, it's, you know, Iron Bowl week here is we will probably be doing nothing but Iron Bowl Auburn, Alabama talk like 90 percent of the week on the show. Right, right. You know, and so having to do that and then with us, with the Cowboys on Thursday and, and having to do a bust out a podcast and everything, it just wasn't going to work out for me to go as well. All right. Because she's I just told her, I was like, go out there, stay the night, you know, enjoy, have a good time. Because my buddy Juan is flying in to hang out for the weekend on oh, okay. late Thursday night. I think he'll get here like 11 ish, maybe 11, 15. Yeah. All right. So he'll get here just in time to like hang for an hour and then go to bed. (laughs) Fantastic, man. Better late than never. Yeah, no doubt. So it'll be a fun weekend coming up, but I don't mind it at all. I mean, and you know, you and I, especially you, you doing a hell of a lot longer than me. You just get to a point where you kind of like Thanksgiving is so different for you because the last several years, you know, being at the station in Dallas, I was doing Cowboys pre and post. I was working at the station on Thanksgiving day. Right. I've uh, I've worked every Thanksgiving from like 95 until like last year. Yeah. So <laughs> at the stadium and, you know, I still worked the last couple of years, but they've been more at the house. So, so I've had more flexibility. And so it'll be like that this year. My family will be here. 
but I'll bury myself in my cave uh, while the game is on yeah. and while I work and then uh, do the podcast and then I'll pop back up again. Yeah, I mean, we got to do a Thanksgiving podcast so you guys have something to listen to when you're rolling around on Black Friday. There you go. Talking about another Cowboys win and wondering if we still freak out. <laughs> you know, I, I, I can't stop with this dude because I just got a tweet from this other guy, this Hayden guy again. And maybe I'm picking on you, Hayden, but whatever. Because... We're going back and forth on Dak. And I say, you know what? He was trash today. He was trash two weeks ago. So was the rest of the team. O-line was trash. Wide receivers are trash. And then his response to this, the rest of the team isn't in the MVP conversation. The rest of the team isn't lauded as a great leader. The rest of the team isn't compensated at that level. It's not solely him, but I missed where you were critical of him. But I see all the blame you throw at the rest. I mean, what are we doing here? What are we doing? Small, small K, bro. Keep it moving. I mean, unfortunately, <laughs> I now will have to mute him. Oh, he's getting muted. It's so sad. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. Like, I don't like to mute people, but when you go back and forth a couple of times and you're just saying stuff that's just silly to me, I'm just like, it's my Twitter. I don't want to be exposed to that. Well, you know, that's always the Trump card. It's always the Trump card. Like, there was one I mean, guy. But you're, you're talking to somebody who's blocked, you know, more than 700 people. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, at the end of the day, I mean, you can say a couple of things back and forth, but, you know, hey. I mean, I haven't blocked anybody recently. So, you know, I just mute people. I don't block anybody. Oh, no, I, I block you. I, want, I don't even want you around. So I think it's interesting lately. The last person that I muted was some dude on Twitter who was a Cowboys guy who was talking about how stupid I was because I had tweeted out weeks ago. All these win, all these close wins for OU. I can't decide if that's a good or a bad thing. We'll see how it plays out basically. And this guy was like, that's such a stupid thing. I can't believe you'd be that dumb. Oh, it's, I don't know if it's good that they keep winning. Oh, you're an idiot and all this. And I said, well, you know, based on the way that the playoff rankings work, unless they win out, which I believe they will lose and was talking about if they lose, not obviously if they go undefeated, they'll be in the playoff. And he goes, well, that's not what you said. I was like, okay, well, that's what I meant. So I don't know what to tell you. And I thought it was fairly fucking obvious. So we keep going back and forth and I'm telling this guy and now I wish I hadn't muted him because I was exactly right. Because guess what? Oh, you lost and they dropped to 13th because of everything else they did the whole damn season. Because they were winning so close, the playoff committee punished them for it. Just like I told you. And now if it is you and you're trying to tweet at me, I won't see it anyway because I muted you. So how about that? Hey man, it is what it is, though. <laughs> So what's so weird about the playoff stuff with me where people say stuff that I'm just like, where does that like, that's not even true. That's not how the, like the committee you literally, study it, they don't study it. I know, they but just go off even if you do. don't go as deep as I do, you can go to their own website where they tell you what some of the rules are that they use. And then people, people are like, Why? That, that's not true. They don't do that. I'm like, it's literally on their website. So I don't know. I mean, they, you can go read the, the commit, the protocols off their website. That's why, like, and I also thought we're going down the rabbit hole in college football, but whatever. You know, I thought it was interesting. People were all pissed off. Cincinnati was ranked sixth and wasn't in the top four. And this was back before OU lost. Nobody was pissed. OU was undefeated and ranked eighth. You know why? The reason why Oklahoma was ranked so low was the exact same reason Cincinnati was ranked sixth. Their strength of schedule, lack of quality wins, and lack of top 25 wins. But people are like, oh, the committee, the committee doesn't want Cincinnati to get in. So what about Oklahoma then? We pick and choose our narratives like crazy assholes, man. 
I guess that's how it is, huh? In a lot of cases, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is. Oh, it's fun. I mean, it's a passionate sport. There's nothing like it. There's just nothing like it. No, nothing at all, bro. And it makes it a lot of fun. So we will be back later this week. We got a lot going oh, on. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, you no, have no, more? No, bro. We ain't leaving before we talk about this ass kicking Rockwall took from DeSoto. I mean, yeah, I mean no, we're not leaving before that. I have no idea what you're talking about. You know, because, you know, I said this on, I, I, for those of you who don't know, my son plays for DeSoto. I live in DeSoto. Matt attended Rockwall. Proud uh, yellow jacket. Uh, jacket fight never dies. Yeah, look at you. You know it. Uh, we have a mutual friend. He was Matt's friend first, but then, you know, nice my friend, Rashid Rasan. Coach's defensive line at Rockwall. And, you know, um, as I said on the pregame show, uh, because I do the, uh, I'm the sideline reporter for DeSoto's radio broadcast, you know, my friends, Matt and Rashid, Rashid through text, Matt through Twitter, they talked a lot of shit about the game this week, considering we beat their ass last year. But, you know, I tried to be respectful. But now that the game is over, Oh, I'm done being respectful. We beat the shit out of Rockwell. Yeah, you did. And, it were, and don't be agreeing with me to make it easier, man. No, you did. I mean, it was 49-28. How could I disagree with you? And it was well, never it was, even close. Well, yeah, it was. It was 17-14 at halftime. It was an ass-kicking. They shut it out. Well, I'm talking about, like, just from the perspective of if you hold Rockwell's offense to 14 points in a half, you're kicking their ass. Yeah, um, Rockwell's quarterback, Braden locked through four interceptions. He might have ended up with about 300 yards passing, but a lot of that was on a couple lucky plays. And, you know, the thing about the game was, because I expected Rockwell, I expected it to be a fourth-quarter game, a high-scoring game. But, dude, when I tell you Rockwell pulled out about three trick plays in the first quarter, including a fake punt, a throwback screen, and something else, and I was like, I don't think they believe that they can play with DeSoto. And that's why they're that's why they're emptying their playbook in the first quarter while the score is seven nothing Rockwall. Yeah. And so um I was uh you know, I thought if DeSoto played their A game, they could win. I just hadn't seen them play their A game very often this year. And it seems to me that DeSoto has decided uh in the last two weeks of the season, which is what you want to play their best football once the playoffs have arrived because the team we've seen the last two weeks looks nothing like the team I watched for most of the year. Yeah, it's impressive. I mean, they held Rockwall to over 100 yards less than what they normally do. I mean, Rockwall's a team that came in averaging, I don't know exactly, but it's close to 500 yards. I know that. You know, that's 500 yards and almost 50 points a game. Yeah, and so when you think about that and you hold them to under 400 yards and you hold them to just 28 points, I mean, that's, that's what you call an ass-kicking. Now, they were missing one of their top receivers who broke his hand, I think, last week. No, uh, no. If you want to be elite, you don't need those guys. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the interesting thing about the game, I asked one of the coaches before the game, like, is Locke the real deal? They're like, oh, yeah, he's the real deal. He does a great job of getting them the right play and, uh, and reading coverages and adjusting at the yeah. line of scrimmage. They say the only thing that hasn't happened to him is he hasn't been hit. They go, he hasn't hardly been touched at all this year. And uh, DeSoto, much like um, they may have only sacked him once or twice, but they were hitting him. You know, you know, they were getting quarterback hits on him. And more importantly, they were pressuring him, making him move in the pocket. And he just never found a rhythm. And, uh, you know, I, I was I thought he would play a little bit better. But any quarterback 
who's under duress, they all struggle, man. Yep. Yep. It's, so anyway. it's unfortunate. You know, Rockwell's had some really good teams in recent years, and they've never – I mean, that team that they had when Locke was a sophomore, and that was the, the year that, that Jackson Smith and Jigba was a senior, and they, they made it to the state semifinals where they got, I mean, just – I mean, it was, I don't even know what to call that loss to Duncanville in the, in the, in the state semifinals, you know, they got throttled, but that was as far as I'd ever seen Rockwall go in my lifetime. So that was cool. But Rockwall historically has not been, I mean, everybody knows they're not a program that they want to state title, like back in the sixties, I think like class two a or something like that. But right. You know, that's about it. And you know, it's cool. That's one thing that I love about Jackson Smith is you know, watching him at Ohio State, it's obvious he's going to be a first-round NFL pick, and that it's cool to see that. But we'll see. I, Braden Locke's going to Mississippi State next year, so I, depending, I don't know who's coming up behind him, and we'll see if, if Rockwell's going to have a good team. But I imagine, you know, DeSoto will continue along being just as good next year. Yeah, they've. Uh, I think they've won their first-round playoff game 16 years in a row. Damn, that's impressive. So they're always in the hunt. It's just a matter of whether they got a good team or a great team. That is impressive. Oh uh, yeah, bro. It's a you know it's a it's a heck of a football program. It is. It which is a heck of a which football is why program. it's a, it's an accomplishment to make the team and even a bigger accomplishment to get some playing time. There you go. That's what it I like to come, see. It don't come easy, brother, at all. So we're off to Spring Westfield this week. In San Antonio. How about that for Man. Saturday? What time you got to leave uh, for that? Bro, I'm, uh, I'm debating. I may – I'm debating. It's, it's a little tricky because, like I said, my dad and his wife are here. Yeah, Thanksgiving I can easily yes. see a scenario where I go down Friday so that I can get up Saturday, watch Ohio State, Michigan, yeah. 11 to 2, and then casually head to the game because it's a 4 o'clock kick. Um, if you leave Saturday, you got to get up at like 7 o'clock. Because, again, I'm part of the radio broadcast, and you can't be late for radio or TV. So if the game's at 4, the pregame show starts at 3, so you got to be there at, you know, 2.30. And I don't want to rush it. I want to watch the Buckeyes kick Michigan's ass yet again. And so, I don't know. I haven't figured it all out. You feeling it? I'm leaning. Well, last week with Ohio State showed me that um, when they're focused and they come to play, they are they are they are hard to deal with offensively, and Michigan will give them a good test. Yeah, Michigan's but, better than Michigan State. I mean, the fact that they lost to to them, uh, whatever. But they're a better team. Um, it's you know, but they are you know, it, it should be a really good game. Um, I think Ohio State's got enough offensive explosiveness, and they're playing with such confidence that yeah. uh, they should be able to do their thing. But. It's the rivalry. You never know what the weather's going to be like this time. At the big season. house. And, I mean, 10-1, and one, this is a good Michigan team. This is the best Michigan team they've had in years. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they haven't beaten us in a long time, so there's a lot riding on it. It should be a great game. Yeah, I thought it was interesting because we had a couple guys on the station last week that thought, you know, Michigan State. I was like, are you kidding me? Have you seen either of these two teams play? I said, I, like, I'll, how much? Like, Ohio State will beat Michigan State by four touchdowns at least. Because Michigan State's pass defense is god-awful. And then, sure enough, I felt bad. I tweeted out on Saturdays, like, I'm sorry I let you guys down. I said they'd win by four touchdowns, and they won by seven. <laughs> My bad. 
Bro. But man, they lit them up. I actually think this it, college football is about to get real fun because I don't know that Alabama can beat Georgia, but that Alabama offense is going to give them a test. And I think we're all at this point, you know, once you get past that matchup, I really hope we get to see Georgia, Ohio State. That would be fun. Top offense, top defense. I mean, man, because that, that Ohio State def- offense is nasty and that Georgia well, defense yeah. is nasty. The problem with how State poses is with basically three first-round receivers, somebody's getting a mismatch. And, you know, if they find it and complete it, that's the problem. Now, if you can control the running game and put some pressure on the quarterback like anybody, you can cause some problems for them. But uh, they're like a basketball team. Once they get it running, if you don't do something to stop the run, they I mean – they can explode on you. Yeah, and that's the thing is that Georgia's run defense is so ridiculously good. You know, and they've got, well, they did. And Adam Anderson was arrested on a felony. But outside of that, they probably still got three dudes in that Georgia front seven that'll be first-round draft picks. Yeah, it would be fun, bro. Yeah, I mean, that, that that's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. But Yeah, and that's a long way before we get there. We got to beat Michigan. Then you got to win the Big Ten Championship. Oh, and stop. You got to. Uh, you beat the winner of Ohio State, Michigan is going to the playoff. I would think so. I don't know. Whoever comes out of the East is not beating you guys. Let, I mean, stop. Come on. I wouldn't think so. Let's man. be honest. I said that one year, man, and Michigan State beat us in 2012. Yeah, where you're just like, what the hell is this crap? Exactly. I mean, to so, be fair, you never know because teams like that, when they got nothing to lose. Oh, the worst possible team you could play in the playoff would be Cincinnati. Because you got all those cats who wish they had gone to Ohio State and they play at a different level. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. they're like, oh, you didn't want us. You didn't think we were good enough, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's. And they get a month to prepare. Yep. We'll so. see how it goes. We'll see. So we'll do it again. We will have another episode on Tuesday. ESPN Cowboys insider Todd Archer will be with us. We'll get his thoughts and we'll already be looking ahead to Thursday's game as the Cowboys' next two games are both Thursday games. They play, of course, Thanksgiving on this Thursday coming up. It'll be at home against the Las Vegas Raiders. And then the following Thursday, they have the Thursday night football game when they head to New Orleans in the Dome to take on the Saints on Thursday, December 2nd. As we talk about this, I guess we'll figure out how to work Werder and uh, chill in. Yeah, I was thinking that. We may have to do one of them on Tuesday or I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll figure it out, folks. Don't worry about it. You'll get your content. Yep, we'll figure it out. That's what we that's what we get paid to do, supposedly. So we'll figure it out. Hell yeah. All right. Hell yeah. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. Also brought to you by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. Let him help you secure your family's future. You can give him a call at 940-453-3490. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy. Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.